Pastor Bill is a great example is because he settled beforehand, this is what I want. And in order to get what I want, this is how I have to approach it. Now, can you imagine if all of us did this in our own lives, in our lives of faith, as it relates to compromise, as it relates to the kingdom of God? It's like with generosity. Me and Lynn, we never have to pray about if we should give. Why? It's already settled. We never have to pray about should we serve. It's settled. Be prepared. This is a good rule to live by even if you're not a Boy Scout. You see, when you're prepared for a situation, you won't be so rocked by it. You'll know what to do because you've already thought through it. Today, Pastor Daniel talks about how this principle can be applied to your spiritual life. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you'll be able to stand firm on your convictions in the heat of the moment when there's so much on the line. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 3 as he continues his message called Flashpoint. Do you see what we see here? Listen, you want to know how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to make the right decision at a Flashpoint moment? Because they settled it beforehand. And you need to settle it beforehand. This is so important. What I want to, because all of us have habits in life. Right? And really what we're talking about now is we're talking about what does it mean to have habits of God's kingdom? Right? That when the crisis point happens, when the flash point happens, this is how I want to respond. And what most of us do is we don't settle it beforehand. So in the moment of temptation, we act emotionally. And guess what happens when we act emotionally? We get it wrong. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not only do they not bow down when everybody does it, but Nebuchadnezzar gets mad and he invites them in and he says, is it really true? Because don't miss the fact that at the end of chapter two, not only did Daniel get elevated, but Daniel had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego elevated to prominent positions. So this is not something that's going on in private. This is like an elected official. An appointed official is now visibly going against the king. And he's like, is it really true that you guys didn't come and bow down to my image? I told everyone that they had to. So listen, the band's going to come on in. They're going to play the music. Do it right now. I'm going to give you the shot to get this thing right. If not, you're going in the burning, fiery furnace. I mean, think about this for a second. It's one thing to do it whenever they're, now you're in front of the king who is in a fury, in a rage, right? And they get the opportunity to remake their decision and save their lives, and their response is absolutely powerful because they respond, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we will serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. See, these guys had it settled before the moment on what was going to happen. And my friends, this principle we need so much. Here's the thing, habits, right? I was talking with a founding pastor about this. We were talking about habits. 
you know? And Pastor Bill, he gave me such a great definition. He said, habits, there's a cue or a trigger, there's a response, and there's a reward. And all of our habits, where something happens, it's a cue or a trigger. And then we have our response that we have, and whatever our response to that trigger is, now all of a sudden you get some sort of reward. Now the problem with habits is, is not every habit The cue doesn't always bring you the right response, and the reward oftentimes is something that is destructive. Like, let me give you a common one, because seven out of every 10 guy looks at regular internet pornography. That's what the statistics tell us. So what happens is, is and I'm going to use guys as an example, there is a stress at work, and so stress leads to my cue gives me the response of I'm going to look at internet pornography, and the reward that I get is an immediate feeling of excitement. But ultimately, that cycle of cue, response, and reward is completely destructive. All the research tells us, it completely undermines everything about, it rewires the brain of a guy. Let me give you another one. For you wives who wishes your husband was different than he is. Your husband does something that you don't prefer. So the trigger is your husband being a knucklehead. Your response is you lose your brains. And then the reward is you yelled at him so you kind of feel better, but it actually doesn't change anything. It makes him more distant. You feel more distant. You're like, I can't believe I acted like a crazy person. Unless you didn't even realize you acted like a crazy person, then you feel like you were justified in doing it. And either way, the reward is destructive. Make sense? Now, you realize I can do this all day, right? We can look at any struggle, whether it's alcoholism, anything we can put into, there is a trigger, there is a response, and there is a reward. Now, guess what? As a follower of Jesus, when a certain cue happens, you want the response to be a kingdom-minded response because the reward is the presence of God. See, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they never wanted not to enjoy the relationship with God that they had cultivated their entire lives. They had been praying that great prayer, the Shema, Every single day, three times a day for their entire life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And when this all happened, because they had worked in their hearts, they'd settled it beforehand, that when, no matter what goes on, loving God is all that matters. When this very intense flashpoint shows up, it's already settled. I cannot love the Lord my God by doing this. See, and really what it boils down to is whatever it is that you want in life, whatever your desired reward is will be the things that drives your habits. And I think you guys are all here today. You're listening to this because deep down in your heart, you know the greatest reward in life is to walk with God. To know God, to be known by God, and to have your life be part of the work of God's good kingdom that is pressing into a broken world. But what happens is, is if you make decisions emotionally in the moment without having it settled beforehand, confronted with a life or death situation that would call you to compromise, most of us just want to stay alive. And so you settled beforehand that you will live a life of compromise. But if you, like Shadrach, they're like, look, we don't even have to think about this. Hey, we should go pray about this. They're like, no. You said, which God's going to deliver you? Our God can. Do you see how that works? See, and Pastor Bill's really, our founding pastors, it's really powerful to me because Pastor Bill and I have known each other for a while 
And I'll never forget, I mean, I've been here at Crossroads now for about five years. I remember the summer before I ended up here, Pastor Bill had lost a bunch of weight. Those of you who have been here for a while, you saw Pastor Bill lost about 50 pounds. And I remember when I saw him, it kind of began our discussion. I was worried about him because I know he had been, he had cancer before and I thought maybe Pastor Bill got sick and are you okay? And he's like, no, no, I just decided I've been carrying around this weight. I didn't want to carry it around anymore, so I wanted to lose it. But he said something to me, I remember this. He said, but I'm never going to put it back on again. And I thought to myself, yeah, right. You know, it's like, let's be honest, man. It's like, we lose weight so we can put it back on again. It's, you know, like, that's how it goes, you know. But what's amazing is, and to God be the glory and to Pastor Bill's tenacity, you know, get some credit, he hasn't put the weight on. It's been, you know, now six years. But I was asking Bill about this just recently. I said, Bill, how do you do it? He's like, man, before I go into a restaurant, I already know what I'm going to order. He's like, I don't go into the restaurant and decide what I'm going to order. I decide before I get there. Why? Because if I'm in that moment, I'm going to definitely order something I don't really want. I mean, I want it, but I don't really want it. And I've seen Pastor Bill. We go to like a staff potluck and there's all these treats. There's Twinkies everywhere. You know what I mean? It's like, it's my kind of place, you know? And I watch Pastor Bill go up to a piece of cake and he cuts off a little sliver and he puts it in a plate and he walks away with it. And I asked him about that. He's like, well, look, the joy is in the first taste, you know? He's like, but the problem is, is like after you eat a whole thing, you don't really, like the first bite is really good and then each bite gets less enjoyable. He's like, so I want to enjoy the taste, but if I stand next to it, I will eat more. And I use Pastor Bill as a great example because he settled beforehand, this is what I want. And in order to get what I want, this is how I have to approach it. Now, can you imagine if all of us did this in our own lives, in our lives of faith? as it relates to compromise, as it relates to the kingdom of God. It's like with generosity. Me and Lynn, we never have to pray about if we should give. Why? It's already settled. We never have to pray about should we serve. It's settled. We never pray, should I read the word? It's settled. Before I even show up, if I wake up tired in the morning, the word gets opened. Why? Because it's already been settled. And for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here, and Daniel like them, it was settled beforehand. And my friends, you need to settle this stuff beforehand. Because in the moment where life is on the line, where your fears are on the line, you think your reputation is on the line, if you don't have it settled in advance, you will make a compromise decision. And you know it's true, because we all do it, don't we? Settle beforehand. Now, of course, I love this. Joshua speaks of this. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. It says, now therefore... Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. See, Joshua's saying, bro, this is settled. He's like, you guys can do whatever you want to do, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And I like that. We need to settle this stuff beforehand. What do you have hanging open that you need to settle right now? What's going to be a trigger that's going to come later today or tomorrow? What's the temptation that's going to come that you know God's kingdom says, this is how I'm supposed to live. You have to settle it now so that when you get there, you don't even thinking about it. You know what you're doing and why you're doing it. It's the same way. If you're in the military, they train you so that in the moment, 
Your response is the right response. You're an EMT. They train you. So in the moment, you don't have to think about it. You just act. And you act in a way in accordance with what you desire. And my friends, it has to be so in the kingdom of God as well. See, you know what I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here? They do not doubt God's ability. Notice they said, look, our God, you don't think any God can save anybody? Our God can. They don't doubt God's ability, but they also say, but even if our God doesn't deliver us, we're still not gonna worship. What I love about them is they don't doubt God's ability, but they also don't presume to understand God's will. And you want some wisdom for life? Never doubt God's ability, but never presume you understand God's will. What they're saying is, look, we know our God is able to deliver us, but he may actually want us to die right here, right now. And either way, don't matter. Because our life is God's. And I think for a lot of us, what we struggle with is we get it wrong. We presume that God doesn't have the ability and we think we understand God's will. See, what I like about these guys is they know that God can do anything, that God is strong enough to deliver them, but they're not sure if God actually wants them to die there or not. Is this their appointed time to go home? But if you choose with your life, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to trust that God has the power, and I'm going to also trust that God's will is the perfect will. You get totally freed up in life. They're like, look, our God can deliver us. Man, this ain't no problem for our God. He delivered us. They can go down from Egypt, the Amor. I mean, listen, man, this is nothing. But he's like, but I actually don't know what God's will is. So even if God doesn't deliver me, I'm not going to worship anyway. Don't presume you understand God's will. Because sometimes, listen, it's appointed a person wants to die and then the judgment. There's a whole history of Christianity where people who loved God were martyred for their faith. So you can't presume that God is going to always, because you just don't know, but you can always trust that he's strong enough to do it. And that's what a surrendered life looks like, isn't it? You trust in God's all-powerfulness, and you also surrender your will to the fathers. Isn't that what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane? When Jesus said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, but yours. Be saying, Lord, if we can get do this another way, let's do it that way. But whatever your will is, let's do that. And Jesus took the cross. Now, someone is bound to say right now, well, where is Daniel in all of this? And the answer is, we don't know. By all accounts, Daniel would never have done that. We're going to see Daniel making all these type of same decisions. But it could be that in his special position, he was out of town on other business or whatever. But the story doesn't have Daniel in it. So we can't pretend we know what he's doing. But when they respond in this way, Nebuchadnezzar is so mad that he says, okay, I want you to bind these guys. They're bound with their feet, their hands, fully clothed. He wants to make sure that they burn. And he's like, I want you to turn that furnace up seven times hotter. And it's so hot that the people who are going to put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there, they die trying to get him in there. So Nebuchadnezzar is beside himself. But look at what happens. What it says in verse 24. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and he spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered, they said to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out 
and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. My friends, you know what this teaches you? That Jesus is faithful in the fire. That's what you learn here. That Jesus is faithful in the fire. Remember, they went into the fire knowing that God could deliver them, but they weren't sure if he would. And sure enough, they end up in the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar is shocked. Why? Because not only these guys got sent in there bound, they couldn't walk, they couldn't move their hands. They're walking around in there, and there's another person in there. And my friends, this is so important because what we learn is that when you make kingdom decisions for your life, you settle it beforehand, you stand up and be counted. If you end up in a mess, Jesus will be faithful in that mess. Now, it doesn't mean, in this case, there is physical deliverance. It won't always mean that. But no matter what, God is faithful. And for many of you, you've chosen the difficult way through the narrow gate. Few find it, but it leads to life. And you've had to make tough decisions and you have found Jesus to be faithful. But you know what you will learn? If you choose a compromised life, nobody is faithful on the compromised journey. Whatever it is that you trusted to put you on the road of compromise, they will never be faithful when push comes to shove. Why? Because it's all based on compromise. But when you choose the way of Jesus, Jesus is faithful. They're faithful. Look, this is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it was tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see what Peter's saying? He's saying, look, all this is going on. You're grieved by various trials. Why? That the genuineness of your faith, though it be tested by fire, may be found to be to the praise of God. It's amazing because in the midst of this seven times hotter furnace, where these guys are walking around, Nebuchadnezzar calls and say, uh, guys, uh, servants of the most high God, uh, you want to come over here now? And these three guys walk, and literally everyone gathers around them, and it literally says here, on their bodies the fire had no power, the hair of their head was not singed, their garments were not affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. But you know what was affected when they were in the fire? The things that bound them. That's how God uses trials, my friend. That's how God uses when you choose him and bad things happen, God frees you up from the things that hold you back. But the things that bound them were burned off in the midst of the trial. See, problems and trials are problematic, but they're not purposeless. God has a plan in them. 
But when we choose to follow Jesus and Jesus is faithful in the midst of a trial, you walk away with a greater level of freedom. And that's what God wants. Some of you right now are going through trials and you can't understand what God is doing. God is seeking to free you up from what binds you. There are areas in your life that God can only work on in this. So you need to trust his strength and his will, knowing that he is doing a good work. Now look at how this closes. Because in verse 28, it says this, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon, my friends. Your trust transforms people's lives. Your trust transforms people. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they trusted their God, and they, in the moment of crisis, where everything was flaring up, they chose beforehand that they were going to serve God, and their faithfulness to their God, who is faithful in the midst of the fire, now is having an impact on King Nebuchadnezzar, so much so that Nebuchadnezzar begins to praise God. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now listen, he doesn't say, blessed be my God, yet. But that's one of the stories here in the book of Daniel. See, he begins to receive a witness of who this God is by the faithfulness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, listen, no one's even allowed, like, their God frustrated my words. And no one's even allowed to say anything about this God or else I'm going to kill you and burn your house down. That's what he says. You're all dead, I'll, kill, I'll burn your house down. Obviously, Nebuchadnezzar is a very emotionless, calm, collected kind of a dude. <laughs> but my friends, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and they get a promotion. They just rebelled against the king. They get a promotion because their God is the real deal. See, your trust transforms people. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. My friends, you are a letter that is being read by the world of who Jesus is. Jesus is What a powerful reminder of the work that God is doing through you. You are God's love letter to the world. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your faithfulness impacts others. It lets them see who Jesus is. Your trust in Jesus can transform people's lives. So don't sell yourself short. You matter. What you do matters. 
So follow the example of these men and settle beforehand what you want to do so that you can stand firm in the Lord when those flashpoint moments arrive. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Come back again when Pastor Daniel continues in this series all about how our culture and the problems of life collide with our faith and create friction. You'll be reminded that God is doing something through all of this. Your problems aren't without purpose. So don't lose the long view miss out on what God is doing in your life during those hard times. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.